May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 17. Now I appeal to you, siblings, by the name of Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be knit together in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been made clear to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my siblings. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. <laughs> Sounds like me. <laughs> for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. It's always fun when you get a chuckle during the scripture, right? <laughs> Doesn't happen a lot. But when it does, there's something a little special, right? Because some scripture verses are full of poetry and wisdom and exciting battles political intrigue, challenging truth-telling that shakes up the status quo. And some, well, some are like today's, <laughs> a reminder that we need not be perfect to still make an impact. That scripture from 1 Corinthians is a letter to the church in Corinth. This was several years after Christ had died thousands of years ago, and it's the first of at least two letters that were written to this new Christian community that was developing in a little place called Corinth in the Middle East. It's attributed to Paul, the famed reformed Christian prosecutor turned apologist. But it was probably only written in Paul's name for some extra clout to the letter. See, scholars generally agree on this that based on the clues that are in the text, like how Paul is referenced in the letter, and the author would be speaking in the third person if Paul had personally written it, which is an odd practice. So while Paul was seen as an authority and a leader for the early church in its infancy, after Jesus' death, most scholars agree that he probably didn't actually put pen to paper for the letters that are attributed to him. Someone else did, in his stead. As he was known to be unavailable for continued leadership, having been jailed for his outspoken beliefs. So in the absence of a charismatic and strong leader, someone else stepped up and did their best. <laughs> and in trying to resolve a church issue, 
to make their point, things got a little sassy. If I'm being honest, the scripture from today kind of sounds like one of those emails that you write when you're all wound up about something. And then you think better of it and you erase it before you actually send it. I can just picture someone sitting at a computer responding to a bunch of complaints and just going, Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? God, I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. And so no one can say that you were baptized in my name. And yeah, I know I only baptized the household of Stephanus, but beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. But Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach. And that's not the point. It's about the power of God anyway. That's verbatim what it says, with a little bit of theatrical flair and some modern embellishment at the end. And I can just see them, whoever wrote that, just sitting back and then just deleting the whole thing before responding, hey, thanks for your concern. I'll pray for a resolution to come soon. But this letter did not get deleted. It got sent. And thank God for that, because what we have here is someone thrown into leadership, maybe unexpectedly, maybe without all the preparation or information that would make it smooth and clean, and what we get is real. It's no secret that our community is in one of these transitional moments. A strong, charismatic leader has left, and that leaves a space where many of us are being called to step up in ways that we hadn't even considered a few months ago. Without the calm, steady presence of an informed and compassionate leader, it can be easy to get flustered and overwhelmed and feel the need to overcompensate because we're scared of what might happen to our community if we don't have that strong, charismatic, informed, and wise leader there to solve our problems and resolve our disputes. What a gift to, ha- to see and witness to compassionate leadership in action for the last five years. Leadership that wasn't afraid to be real and flawed and imperfect. I remember watching our former senior pastor, Brennan, get emotional in the pulpit and shed tears. Though culture would recommend against such emotional displays in public for a young, straight, white man in his position of authority. I remember him embracing his daughter who would run up and he'd pick her up and she'd be here while he's giving the, helping give the benediction or make some announcements, and it would cause a little stumble, little chuckles here and there. It'd break up the flow of the service a little bit, but he confidently embraced it and rolled with it. And so did we. And in this year ahead of us, we will be called to step up in ways that we had not thought we would want to or need to. And if we don't want, especially if we don't want something that we care about to be lost. 
Last Sunday, Pastor Bill invited us all to bring our humble lunches to the banquet that God sets before us, and I will echo that sentiment with a direct plea to all of you who hear my voice today. The strong and charismatic leader who we have all embraced for the past half a decade is no longer here, and the plans, goals, and routines that he oversaw could be lost. If we who appreciate those plans, goals, and routines do not step up and ensure they continue. And I know that it's so easy to feel like we lack something. After journeying with such a confidently compassionate leader for so many years, thoughts like, I'm really not good with words, or I don't, I don't know enough about these issues, I'm not energetic enough to shepherd this process, I can't cry in public and be taken seriously. Those are real thoughts that I know we all share at times. But beloved, we who struggle with imposter syndrome and a nagging voice in our heads that highlights our shortcomings instead of our possibilities, hear me. If a rage response can make it into the Bible, Who are you to say you are not enough? Who are any of us to say we are not enough? If we are to fail at preserving that which is important to us, let us fail gloriously by trying with all that we have. For God did not tell us to maintain our relationship with our nonprofit partners. God did not tell us to ensure we use inclusive language in our services. God did not tell us to keep our parking lot open at all times. God's message for those who will listen is to seek justice, love kindness, and walk humbly in relationship. Seeking justice does not mean achieving justice, though that is what we seek. We do not need to win to do what we need to do. No faithful effort is in vain. Loving kindness does not mean solving every problem by saying just the right thing at the right time to the right person. Walking humbly may even involve staying in bed because we simply cannot get up today. Simply because we don't have the personal bandwidth to navigate one more email. And that's okay. That's okay. We don't need to be Brennan to change the world. We don't even need to try and change the world, quite frankly. For if we can remember in times of fear and trouble, weakness and uncertainty, 
All we are called to do is seek justice, love the kindness we see around us, and walk humbly in relationship. In doing so, we will change the world by following our call as only we can. None of us are called to minister in the way that Brennan ministered. We are called to minister in our own way, in our own spheres, with our own voices and our own bodies. Not by trying to be someone else whom we think is better suited for the job. When Moses was called by that burning bush, he was a fugitive on the run, in hiding, trying to carve out a simple life. What he brought to the work that he was called to was exactly what was needed. When a church in Corinth needed an answer to a problem, someone who wasn't Paul responded to that call in his absence, and it was canonized in the Holy Bible. What if they had said, Paul can do this so much better, I can't speak up. We wouldn't have shared a chuckle this morning, for one thing. Who am I to answer this call? Our faith would be so much less rich because of it. When this congregation, before my arrival, announced the Sunday school program would be closed due to lack of volunteer and children engagement, Gail Hall stepped up and said, I don't know anything about working with kids, but this is an important ministry, so I'm going to get my friend Chris, who's a teacher, and we're going to make sure this doesn't go away. True story. And now our growing Sunday school program, which serves dozens of kids and children and youth each year with compassionate intergenerational arts and story time is the keystone uniting and sustaining our youth and family ministries. Beloved, please bring who you are to our work and ministries in this year ahead. Your church needs you. Times of transition bring the sweeping winds of change. But when we have life-giving rituals, programs, and systems, let's not seek to change them. Let's maintain the blessings of our community as we welcome new leadership, new leadership paths to be unfolded in the years ahead. Let us reach out, for we are not aimlessly treading water until a new lifeguard comes on duty. We are a fleet, sailing together, each with an important role to play as we navigate the waters ahead. And to be clear, if you are at the helm of one of those ships, that we sail together as a fleet, and you are tired from all the hours of service that you've put at that wheel, and you're feeling burnt out, feeling overwhelmed with the new added pressures of leadership that are now coming down the pipeline, 
you are called to love kindness for yourself as well. Please do not burn yourself out. That does no one any good. Now could be a time to step aside, and the boat will continue to sail. We will call the rest of the crew together and find new captains as needed. Perhaps your boat will be ferried by another. I call upon us all to consider what we care about here at St. Luke and be an active part in leading it or shepherding new leadership. To know and learn and grow in the important ways that we do things here. But I also recognize many other strong leaders may be getting tired and could use some relief. So the question I leave for you today, to consider and ponder for the rest of the service. Are you called to lead? Because there's some system here that gives you so much life. Or are you called to make space and tend to your own spirit? as we cultivate new leaders. Have faith that either will be a blessing for our community. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.